Greetings, my name is Anthony Fort, I am a songwriter and composer from the UK, and I created this podcast to stimulate a deeper discussion of the creative process. I have a PhD in music theory from Columbia University in New York, and I have taught composition at the University of Cambridge. And one thing I've learnt over the years is that when it comes to being creative, technical knowledge is not enough. When we're being creative, we are using our minds in a different way, and it's that different way of using our minds that I'm interested in exploring. I recently did something that I haven't done in a while, which was to write a song as a sort of technical exercise. With a gig coming up on the 8th of June at the Amersham Arms in New Cross, see the show notes for ticket link, thank you for your support. Um, With this gig coming up, I wanted to spend some time exploring the sound of what you might call a typical band lineup, i.e. a band that includes a drummer, a bassist and a guitarist. Given my background as a classical musician, this wasn't a lineup that I paid much attention to when I was younger, and while it's true that many of my recent songs do include these instruments in some way, They weren't integral in the formation of the song idea itself. Instead, what I typically have done in the past is to write a draft of the song, which is basically the melody, the lyrics and the chord changes, and then to work out the instrumentation when I come to recording it. But this time I wanted to work in a different order. This time the creative process started with recording a bassline groove onto which I added a simple drum pattern and some chords in the guitar, and from there I let the song develop. In addition to the upcoming gig, part of what inspired me to try this was that I recently attended a jam session, and again this is something that is quite new to me, and what was striking was how easy it felt to generate ideas on the keyboard when there is a drummer there to provide a groove. It's interesting to consider why this might be the case. Some years ago, when I was a classroom music teacher working with children, I noticed that children seemed to have internalised the basic rhythmic vocabulary of their musical culture by quite a young age, maybe by around age six. For instance, most children can not only clap back culturally typical rhythms that you feed them, but they can also improvise new ones to complement nicely the ones they've just heard. Later, when I was a piano teacher, teaching children and adults to improvise, I found that they were often daunted by the idea of improvising whole melodies. However, if I first had them improvise rhythms on one or two notes, they would normally find that very easy, and then we could gradually but reasonably quickly incorporate more and more notes until the task that they had previously thought impossible turned out to be quite approachable after all. So rhythm is a gateway into melody and harmony and I think part of the reason for this is that if you know when you are going to play something that already tightly constrains what you can play. In other words the rhythm teaches you what notes you could play at a given time. And when I was a piano teacher, I would encourage my students to establish a feeling of groove in their body, and I would tell them that that feeling of groove is the teacher. 
So on a very local level, rhythm productively constrains the options we have for choosing our notes. Uh, but this week, I've actually been thinking about the way rhythm constrains not the small-scale decisions, but the large-scale issues of form and structure. In other words, what I noticed in this exercise was how remarkably easy it was not just to generate melodic ideas, um, but to actually come up with a plan for an entire song. And my thinking was this. The moment that you invent a groove pattern, be it on a drum or a bass guitar, that groove pattern is almost certainly going to be reasonably short and it's almost certainly going to invite repetition of itself. Those are sort of two hallmarks of a groove, I would say. Now, when we talk about creating a structure, what we're normally talking about is creating several contrasting sections that bind together. And for that to be possible, the sections themselves need to have their own clear identity. And what a groove does is guarantee you a chunk of material with a clear identity. And all you need to do as a songwriter is wait it out for a little bit and then make maybe just one change, maybe melodically or harmonically. And just by doing that one change, now you have a verse and a chorus. Or you could do two changes instead of one and you get what you could call the verse build up chorus structure, which is a very common structure in a lot of songs. And once you've got that whole structure, you can repeat it again and maybe add a bridge and then you have a whole song. Now, this is not to talk condescendingly at all about the verse chorus structure. Indeed, I use it in probably most of my songs. Um, in fact, what I believe is, is that the joins between sections are one of the most underrated areas of creativity. You could have a song in which the verse is very typical sounding, but if you can find an interesting switch of direction at the build up or at the chorus, then that's going to make that your song. And I think Steely Dan were good at this. I also think the Beatles were very good at this. Um, so if you think about it, you could have two sections of music that are you know, maybe on their own they don't seem to have a particularly strong identity but if you can, can juxtapose them in an interesting way if there can be an interesting switch of some sort at the moment of the build up or the chorus then to me that is a very creative act and it's one that I don't think I see getting enough credit in conversations I've never heard it discussed for instance in conversations about copyright issues, which is a big issue in the songwriting world at the moment. It's in the news a lot. So anyway, by laying down that groove at the beginning, you're doing two things. Um, like the setup for a joke, you're setting up the listener for that exciting switch a bit further down the line. Uh, but secondly, as the composer, you're creating for yourself an opportunity to make one of those switches. In other words, you're creating an opportunity to be original in a way that you can only be original when you're putting different sections together. Uh, let's call this structural originality. 
Um, so often when we compose, we're hunting for that intriguing idea, maybe a melodic idea or a harmonic idea, but we can't always find them. But by laying down a groove first, we get a free pass to be quite typical sounding to begin with. Because we know that just a bit further down the line, we're going to have not just an opportunity to do something a bit different, but a nice context that's likely to give us some good ideas for how we might achieve that. And who knows, there's nothing stopping you from then going back to the quote-unquote typical or derivative sounding verse material and rewriting it at a later stage. Again, with the benefit of having the context of the entire strong structure to guide you. So working from a groove was certainly an interesting process and certainly an exercise that I will be repeating in the coming weeks. However, one puzzling psychological area does come up for me. I think I've mentioned it in passing before, but I want to revisit it because I find it just very interesting. Um, you could, you would think that as a songwriter and as someone interested in creativity, that your strongest desire is to turn out work that is different from what you already know. But in actual fact, there is a very strong impulse that works in exactly the opposite direction. It's the desire to produce work that is downright typical of all the styles that you're familiar with. It's the desire to demonstrate your own technical competence to yourself and to others. And it's maybe the desire to satisfy your musical tastes and expectations um, when those tastes and expectations have been formed by a kind of music that already exists and that does not need to be created again. And I think that with the emergence of AI, the need for more music that sounds more or less the same is, is getting smaller and smaller because we're now having machines that can produce that kind of stuff far quicker and far more convincingly than we can. So uh, personally, I noticed this anti-creative tendency quite strikingly within myself um, when I worked on my most recent song, uh, which, as I said, was a sort of a technical exercise. Um, and I have quite conflicting feelings around this. They're, they're, uh, they're not wholly negative, they're, they're just a bit complex. So firstly, Another thing that drove me to try this exercise was the belief that I have been somewhat lazy over the years when it comes to developing my technical craft as a composer. Um, obviously, given the infinite possibilities of what you could do musically, any musician's craft is incomplete. Uh, but to say you're lazy is to say that you personally have simply not come close to reaching the potential of what you could reach in terms of, of technical knowledge um, that you could tr potentially draw upon in a creative way as you write and produce songs. And that's that's something I do feel and it's that's a slightly depressing thought to be honest. Um, then there's a sense of unease around the fact that the music I wrote seems somehow not true to me and not true to my voice as a musician. But this in itself is also an interesting conundrum. And the conundrum here is that obviously I ultimately want to be producing music that sounds like it's true to me, 
But then there's also the need to expand as an artist and as a person. And maybe the only way to do that is to sort of try on different personas and musical clothes that you haven't tried on in the past and that won't feel natural. So maybe what I'm hoping is that I will find a more distinct voice in time, though perhaps that means making peace with the idea that writing groove-based tracks that start from the drum and the bass, maybe those are going to feel derivative and um, lacking in creativity for the time being. But the flip side of all this was actually quite comforting. In producing music that didn't feel like my own, this was proof to me that I must already have established some kind of personal voice. Otherwise, I would have not noticed its absence. And perhaps by continuing this exercise, I will get more clarity on what makes that voice that voice, uh, because I'll be able to take advantage of the contrast that is created when I place that old voice against what I've been trying more recently, where that older voice doesn't seem to be so present. Who knows? Let's see. Um, thank you for listening. And yes, don't forget about the gig on June 8th at the Amish Arms. Ticket link in the show bar. Thank you. Thank you.